Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 5th of July, 20... No, July, good God, January 2023. I get the year right. I'm only six months off. I am Derek Hunter. Welcome. See, this is what happens to a world when you don't have a Speaker of the House and a House of Representatives sworn in. How can the Republic survive without... Oh, God help us. Anyway, welcome to the show. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, spreading the word. Please make your New Year's resolution be to be more awesome and spread the word of the program. And also, uh, you know, maybe support the program at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or at Derek Hunter dot com. My New Year's or you can join me in losing weight in form a, a, a form a weight loss club. Yeah, my COVID baby weight has got to go. It's time. And so that's my New Year's resolution. How I'm going to do it, we shall see. But it definitely needs to be done. And if you're so inclined, you can email me and we can sort of support each other and give recipes and tips and food. I don't know, the best way to be bulimic. That's a horrible joke. But I did once lose a bunch of weight with bulimia. I don't recommend. It's not good. It's not good. Stupid. Stupid, I know. But... I'm just honest, and that's the truth. I really did. It was part of my regimen. It was not my only part of my regimen, but it was part of my regimen. Wildly stupid. I don't recommend it, but if I didn't tell you the truth, what the hell? What's the point of it all? Anyway, enough about that crap. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com if you want to you know, need words of encouragement or whatever, or offer them and all that good stuff. Now let's get on with the program. The circular firing squad of the Republicans continues. It is, um, I, can you be surprised by anything these people do? Honest, just be honest with yourself. Can you sit there and you go, uh, these Republicans, have you ever said, well, that's the most strategically smart maneuver I've ever seen by a politician, by a political group, by a group of, wow, they're, no, they're not. It is stupidity. Look, it won't matter in the long run. The people who are sitting there mocking their Democrats. It's funny. Uh, I forget. Jamal Bennett or something like that. Some member of the squad, the Democrats, tweeted out a picture of him and a couple other members of Congress sitting there together. Going, oh, yeah, Republicans are in disarray. We're just having a good old time. And it's they're sitting in the back. They're sitting in a, a corner, and all the members are black. And it's like, wow, Democrats really are committed to segregation, even self-segregation. And you realize, yeah, they are. That's what they do. That's who they are. That's how they are. It is, you know, it's now a virtue to segregate. I don't know. Sooner or later, in order to run as a Democrat for office, you are going to have to physically go to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial and urinate on it, I think, is is really the only way you're going to get around to having the endorsement of the party, if we're just being honest. But it's just... Is it embarrassing? There are a lot of people, this is embarrassing. This is this. Honestly, do you remember any other speaker 
mishap, any other speaker fight, any other thing having to do with the Speaker of the House? Can you name who the speaker was three speakers ago, four speakers ago? You probably can't. You could search it online, but you probably couldn't off the top of your head rattle off a list of speakers of the House or how many votes they got when they were uh, nominated in order to become Speaker of the House. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter. We are such a culture of the immediate that it, it it's made us dumber. We're pretty dumb to start off with. Oh, how can you say that? I can say it because I've lived it. I've experienced it. I've witnessed it. I've watched it. That's how I can say it. So you sit there and you watch these people and you go, oh, wait a second. That doesn't... What happened? What was it a month ago or two months ago that we were all outraged about? Where is this, that, and the other? Now, if you bring something up, you might remember that you were angry about it or you thought something was disgusting and therefore be reminded of that disgust. But... If you need to be reminded of your disgust, are you really disgusted? Are you? I I don't know. It's kind of funny. It reminds me of the Dobbs decision, the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. Remember that? That was, my God, weeks of nonstop coverage when that decision was leaked by the Supreme Court, uh, from the Supreme Court. And it was all, my God, we're going to strip, strip, strip a woman of, of her right to choose. Oh, my God, people are going to be parents now. This is horrible. The left went absolutely nuts. And then even they calmed down. Even they calmed down. About three weeks in, they calmed down. They stopped showing at the protest because other things had taken over, like gas prices ballooning and inflation taking off and everything costing way more than it otherwise would have and should have. Thanks again to Lindsey Graham. He reminded everybody of this and uh, with his stupid piece of legislation that could have waited because it wasn't going anywhere no matter what. And uh, Republicans didn't do as well in the midterms as they should have. But people forget about things. It's not necessarily even forget. Move on. We move on. Other things happen. So you're sitting there watching this and you're watching the people watch this. You end up in a situation where they are talking, oh my God, this is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to the Republican Party. I'm of two minds. I want to get it done. I want it over with. But is it an embarrassment to the Republican Party? No. Is it a shock to the system or a threat to our democracy? No, it's not. These people need to grow the hell up. But they're incapable of it. The media are incapable of it because the media is full of a bunch of idiots. They really are full of a bunch of idiots. I'm going to play you this clip from CBS News this morning. This is their congressional correspondent. This is the guy who covers Congress for CBS News. You would think this guy would have some semblance of an idea of how Congress functions, right? Since it's his beat. You know, I don't expect there to be a medical doctor on the medical beat. But I don't expect whoever's on the medical beat to go, hey, wait a second, you mean the heart stopped and they, they died? What's what's that all about? I don't expect them to be a complete freaking moron. But that's what Scott McFarlane comes off as and, and probably is, quite honestly, in this clip from CBS this morning, this morning. 
Listen to what he says about what's going on up in the House of Representatives and how the country is just deadlocked. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's, oh, my God, how are we going to function as a society? How shall we do it? For the American people to understand why this is so important, to use the word paralyzed. If there is no Speaker of the House and this drags out, what does that mean for our government? The governing can't happen. They can't legislate and fix problems throughout America. And they'll find it difficult, these members elect, to rectify problems in communities related to veterans benefits, somebody's social security check that's missing, a missing passport or a passport issue. What's more, they can't form committees and, as Republicans have promised, investigate the Biden administration. Vlad, they are very much politically and functionally paralyzed. Putting aside the ableism, of the use of the word paralyzed there. Scott McFarland is a is an idiot. He's a moron. Well, well governing can't happen. My God, what if there's a, somebody needs their passport? As somebody who has a passport, who has gotten a passport, who got a passport in a, an emergency situation back in the late 90s. I had to get it uh, expedited. Um, and it only showed up about four hours before my flight, which was a nightmare scenario. But... It did not take an act of Congress to get me my passport. Swear to God. Right hand to God. It did not take me to uh, an act of Congress. If somebody's Social Security check is not showing up, you, you, you don't call Congress. You, you call the Social Security Administration. Again, I'm not really sure how smart Scott McFarland here is, but I, I think he's a moron, if I had to guess. However, will people get their social? Well, they call the social. The I don't think he knows what the legislative branch of our government does. It legislates. It does not implement. The executive branch implements. It's the God's honest truth. He should read the Constitution. It's not that long. Or he should take a I don't know. A, listen to I'm just a bill. The executive branch infor- enacts and enforces the laws passed by Congress and signed by the president. That's how it works. So if you're having trouble with your VA benefit, you can still call your member of Congress. They can help you with casework. There's still people working. But it doesn't take an act of... Could you imagine if every issue... Hey, man, my Social Security check's a day late. Well, wait a second. Let me convene 535 members of the House of Representatives to take a vote on what to do. Maybe we can cut you a new check, but we can't... uh, We can't do anything. You're just going to have to go hungry until we get to the point where you are, uh, Congress has a speaker. Imagine that. How dumb do you have to be to believe that our government is paralyzed? But it's not just him. Over at Fox News this morning, Ainsley Airhead, I mean, uh, Ainsley Earhart. Sorry, Freudian slip, but let's be honest, right? Come on. Um, she was upset. She's upset. She's mad, and she just she's on the opposite end. See, whereas CBS is just completely ignorant about how government functions, and they're kind of loving the idea of Republicans in disarray. Ainsley Earhart is mad that Republicans won't obey. It's bizarre, and it, it's, I don't care that she cares that Republicans won't obey. I think that's a little dense, but, I mean, what do you expect? 
I care about when she goes on to say that they could do all of these things if they just pick a speaker. You can almost hear the giggling it's, at the White House. Well, they were popping popcorn and posting pictures on social media with bags of popcorn saying we're basically enjoying this. We're watching the show. Uh, this is ridiculous. I mean, look, it's only been one day, so I'm not so worried right now. But if this continues to go on and on, there are 200 Republicans that stand behind McCarthy. You have 20 holdouts, 19 or 20 holdouts. They're not going to convince all 200 people to change their minds. So they just need to get on board with the party so that we can move forward. But just this is how politics works, and it drives everyone crazy because constituents wait in line for hours to go vote, to go cast their votes, and then they go to Washington to represent their constituents, and they just hold everything up. We could be working on the IRS uh, investigation. We could be work or getting rid of those agents. We could be working on the DOJ investigations, Hunter Biden investigations. You're, everything is just delayed, and this is how Washington works. You're absolutely right. They've already broken their day one promise. Oh, my God. Oh my God, you've had to wait 24 hours for something? Not even? Are you okay? I love, They could be working on the IRS investigation. She doesn't even know what the hell she's talking about. I mean, getting rid of the IRS agents. Okay, I saw a member of Congress the other day say this. We need to do this so we could be passing legislation to get rid of those 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, the horse has left the barn on that one. Okay. Now, if Republicans get control of the House and the Senate and the White House, then you could get rid of those 87,000 IRS agents. But there's literally nothing that the House of Representatives being controlled by Republicans, just barely, can do about that. I hate to be, you know, a Debbie Downer here, but that's just the reality of it. If that's what you're saying, oh, thank God we got the House so we can fire 87,000 uh, IRS agents that haven't even begun to be hired yet. Oh, uh, that was that's your problem with government. That's that's what you think. It, like it's don't get me wrong, it's not good, but that's your priority. Okay, let's just pretend for a second. Let's play make believe. Let's say that you had Kevin McCarthy unanimously elected by all Republicans Speaker of the House yesterday. And then they all were all sworn in and they all had their little pizza parties. The pizza party, the Republican pizza party was canceled. It was a grab and go pizza. Uh, everybody goes in and uh, committees are formed and blah, blah. There's nothing really that happens on the first day. But let's just pretend that the Republicans immediately introduced a piece of legislation that said, hey, those 87,000 uh, jobs that we were going to hire for the IRS and the Biden administration last year, those are gone. I'd applaud. It'd be great. But where does that go? That goes to the United States. It's not immediately so. That has to go to the United States Senate. The Senate then has to pass it. Then it has to go to the president of the United States, sit on his desk, and he has to sign it. Now, considering the United States Senate is controlled by Democrats and Joe Biden is the airhead president of the United States and a Democrat, what do you think the odds of either one of those things happening are? Zero? Less than zero? Negative 300,000 percent? So if you're sitting there going, well, we could be working on this, that it doesn't matter. It, I would say we, we could be spending our time working on cold fusion, but apparently they allegedly have figured out maybe how that might work. But something else, <laughs> unachievable. 
it doesn't much matter. And this is where the vote in the last Congress at the end, if the Republicans were to have had any legislative leverage, they would have had to have had a continuing resolution, a short-term continuing resolution passed in the last Congress to say, we'll continue to fund government for the next two months, uh, but we won't. it won't be a budget. We won't pass a budget. And leave that to this one. This was the argument that conservatives were making against action in the United States Senate, where 10 Republicans voted with Democrats to pass this monstrosity, the omnibus bill. That was it. That was the only leverage Republicans would have had to maybe get something done on the IRS agents, maybe get anything done except for investigations. So ultimately, what is it that these people are sitting there going, well, geez, if we could just get Congress going, things would really change. It'd be a dramatic shift in the way things work in the United States Congress. Where is that? What planet is that on? I tell you, it's not Earth. It's not Earth. You can whine about it all you want. But because you want your investigations launched into Joe Biden, Okay, who doesn't want their investigations launched into Joe Biden? But does it matter? Did you really think subpoenas were going to be issued yesterday? Did you really think subpoenas are going to be issued this week? What are you going to issue subpoenas for? You can't just issue subpoenas willy-nilly. Now, maybe these Republicans are prepared. Maybe they're educated. Maybe they know what they're doing. I mean, there's a first time for everything, isn't there? But the idea that these people are ready to go and somehow now, if they don't do it Tuesday, but they do it Friday or next Monday or whatever, it's somehow too late, is insane. This is the media. These are the people who are supposed to inform the American public what the hell is going on. And they don't have a damn clue. I just can't abide stupidity. I really just can't. From the media, I I know. And God, it, it seems like I'm quoting myself more and more and more and more. But just because somebody's on television doesn't mean they're smart, doesn't mean they know what the hell they're talking about. Oftentimes, more often than not, it means the exact opposite. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And you sit there and that doesn't make any sense. And it's sad because it's true. But you'd think, well, oh, this is a, a news organization. They certainly wouldn't put somebody on who doesn't know anything about this. They do it all the damn time. That's their business model. They are not a news organization. They are a television network that is uh, that monetizes their ratings. And so they want ratings. They'll do anything for ratings. That's it. If that means putting on idiots. Look, I'm in the talk radio business and the podcasting business and the columnist business. How many times have you seen, oh, here's a here's a, a radio host to talk about this thing? Like, whoa, you're going to have a radio host on to talk about something in the military, person who's never been in the military. Okay. Or you're going to have a radio host on to talk about something, a radio host from, I don't know, two time zones away to talk about something that's happening in Virginia. Fox News is headquartered in New York, but they also have a Washington, D.C. bureau. The Most of the people who work there live in Virginia. You're telling me that you couldn't find anybody in Virginia? It's just across the river. You could catapult them to the Fox News studios. 
You couldn't find anybody directly involved in a story. You had to go to a radio host in the, in the middle of the country. It's not because that person has particular insights. They don't. I know them. They don't. It is because they are lazy bookers and they think that this person brings them ratings. Nowhere in consideration is there the concept, is there the ask, hey, does this person know anything what they're talking about? Will the audience be better informed from hearing from this person? The answer is no. The only people who can get you better informed from hearing from them would be people directly involved in a news story. Now think back to when was the last time you heard from somebody directly involved in a news story. Now, yeah, I'm not talking about the three members of Congress who make it onto cable news all the time. I'm talking about, in general, any kind of story. It's all clickbait. It's all ratings. It's all garbage. The whole media has become something really to be ashamed of as a species, to be perfectly honest with you. I was looking looking yesterday, and uh, I follow news from around the world. You know, the show's got to keep up with what's going on around the world. They do the Australian updates when they do something particularly stupid. And I see a big story about the killing of four college students in Idaho in the Australian press. It's a big write-up. I'm like, what the hell does it... If, if I'm in Australia, aside from it being a tragedy that's, that four young people were murdered... Why the hell would you care about what's going on at a college in Idaho? And you go, oh, wait, it's it's clickbait. It's clickbait. It doesn't really matter where those clicks come from, your traffic on your website. It's just that you get clicks. And so this is a story that conservative media has been hyping. It's a sad story. It's a tragic story. It's certainly worth noting. There's no way in the world is it worth the amount of coverage that it's gotten not only worldwide, but just in the United States, until you realize that news is a business. It's about making money. It's not about informing anybody of anything. It's not about educating the public or making sure you know what's going on. They don't do that, as evidenced by the people who work for their networks not having a clue what's going on. So you got all this media attention focused on, oh my goodness, those Republicans, they're in disarray, they're in disarray, they're in disarray. Well, you can say that Kevin McCarthy should have had his house in order, and Kevin McCarthy, frankly, should have had his house in order. But does it matter? Does it matter that we do not have the House of Representatives in order? What, what are we waiting on? Canada invaded the uh, Northwest, and we're waiting on a declaration of war before the, the, uh, the government can act? No. No. We're not waiting on anything. If anything, the sense of urgency that Democrats uh, in the media are trying to impose on this situation was negated and kneecapped by their rush to pass that massive $1.7 trillion spending debacle. They got what they wanted. They won, and now there is no sense of urgency. There's no risk of a government shutdown. There's no nothing. It's all over. So they, again, are trying to, and they do this all the time. They're trying to lose fights they've already won. It's bizarre how they do that, <laughs> but they do it. And you, you just watch this situation, and you're like, okay, who cares? Now, ultimately, somebody's going to be elected Speaker of the House, 
these 19, then it went up to 20 members of Congress, including Andy Harris. I heard Andy Harris on the radio this morning talking about Jim Jordan. Oh, Jim Jordan, he doesn't want to be speaker, but we can totally force him to be speaker. Why? Why would you? Look, Jim Jordan, I like Jim Jordan from what I know, and I only know him from TV, so I don't really know all that much about him. I certainly don't know the man personally, but he seems like a stand-up kind of guy. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want the job. The last person we got to take the job as a favor to the Republican caucus was Paul Ryan. How well did that work out? Now, I don't believe for a second that Jim Jordan would end up being like Paul Ryan. But in order to be an effective Speaker of the House, you have to want to be Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House doesn't vote on legislation. The Speaker of the House is a manager, a corraller of votes, making sure you know where everybody stands, making sure people show up, making sure blah, blah, blah. It is an administrative job by and large, in its actual official capacity, and a scheduler. In its execution, it is also a fundraiser. That's it. You have to spend all of your time fundraising, or an inordinate amount of your time fundraising. Why? Because that's the gig. You're the most powerful member of the House of Representatives. A whole bunch of people are going to suck up to you. Lobbyists want to give you money. So what do you do? You have to go to fundraisers pretty much every night of the week. You also have to travel the country on weekends. Members, especially vulnerable members, want you to come to their district. And they sit there and you say, well, we just had an election. No, it doesn't matter. There's always an election. The Senate takes a bit of a breather because only a third of it is up every two years. In the House, the battle for re-election has already begun. That's just the way it works, as sad and pathetic as it is. And so there are fundraisers. There are events. Mr. Speaker, will you come to this? We, we need you to come to that. Part of the reason that Paul Ryan deigned to agree to take the speakership when they were begging him to take it was that he said he would not do these fundraising trips. He would not do all his weekends were his. Right? That was it. The weekends are his because he's got young kids. He's got a life and he wasn't willing to give it up in order to travel the countryside to attend fundraisers with a bunch of lobbyists for a job he did not want. Now, the people who want the job understand that and they go and do these things. Nancy Pelosi wanted that job, desperately wanted that job. Her kids were grown, probably didn't want to stand around and be around them and whatever. And so you uh, have a situation where they are uh, free on weekends because who the hell wants to hang out with Nancy Pelosi? Am I right? Of course I'm right. So you, this mess of a situation that they've created is of their own doing. Jim Jordan has young kids. Jim Jordan is the father of one, two, three, four kids. Do you, he's 58 years old. Do you really think he wants to spend all of his time running around the country doing fundraising? He's said he doesn't. Would he be lying? Is it 
coyness? Is it, uh, no, please, please be our emperor? No, no, I don't want to be. It would be wrong for me to be. Please, and they finally beg you to become the emperor enough so that you acquiesce? No. He doesn't want the job. There are very few people who want the job, and fewer still who'd be good at the job. Will Kevin McCarthy be good at the job? I have no idea, but he wants it. He wants it. Jim Jordan doesn't. And to be honest with you, it takes a special kind of stupid to insist that somebody take a job they don't want, especially a job so important. Oh, but Andy, Har- hey, Jim Jordan would be so good at the job. All right, why isn't Andy Harris running? Why isn't Andy Harris running? Well, he couldn't get the support. Well, Jim Jordan's got a total of what? 11 votes, something like that. That's not, that's not 218. He'd be good at the job that he doesn't want to do. Have you ever had a job you didn't want to do? Were you good at that job? Were you good at the job you didn't want to do? I don't think you were. I know I wasn't. But I think most importantly, and what makes it such a stupid idea, is Jim Jordan has a job that he wants. Jim Jordan is about to get the job that he wants, and he's about to get the job for which he is exceptionally qualified. And that's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. All the investigations that are going on in the last, what, I don't know, eight years, how many times have you seen Jim Jordan questioning, grilling some leftist and making them look like a fool, exposing them, going, oh my God, what, what the hell is going on here? How many times have you seen Jim Jordan do that? That is from his perch in the Judiciary Committee. Now he's going to get the gavel because Jim Jordan, when you've seen these viral clips of him, are him asking questions and then somebody going, brum, 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 I think Gerald Nadler, uh, gentleman's time has expired, gentlemen's stop, 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 and then you go right to a Democrat who uh, defends whoever it is they're in questioning. Jim Jordan will be the one with the gavel. Jim Jordan will be the one to get extra time to ask questions. Jim Jordan will be the one who isn't going to be shouted down by Chunky A from New York up there, Charles Nadler, or any Democrat who happens to be his counterpart on that. Things will get done. Jim Jordan loves the investigation. He loves the questioning. And you're going to take that away from him and put a gavel in his hand, make him an administrator, and then replace him with who? Because quite honestly, as an observer of Congress, there isn't a single Republican up there who can come close to holding a candle to Jim Jordan when it comes to interrogating leftists. There just isn't. Not a single one of these morons up there. They get their five minutes. They give a four-minute speech. They ask one kind of question, sort of, and then they maybe try to sneak in another one, but their time expires and the Democrat gavels them down. Is there any other Republican out there in the House of Representatives that you've watched interrogate somebody and thought, wow, that I'd really hate to be uh, going up against that guy. I'd hate to have that prosecutor coming after me. You can't think of one because there isn't one. It's Jim Jordan and nothing else. And the Republicans, the hardliners, the so-called self-professed... Cons- Look, if you got to tell the world how conservative you are, maybe you're not all that conservative. We should be able to tell, right? Oh, we want Jim Jordan to be speaker. 
To what end? So you can sabotage the investigations you say are so important and need to get underway to the point that you have to elect somebody speaker immediately so they can start? Is that what you're doing? The guy doesn't want it. Get over it. You know, if they were trying to date Jim Jordan, they'd be called stalkers. <laughs> he couldn't be more clear. The guy nominated and renominated Kevin McCarthy. Does that tell you anything? If Kevin McCarthy is such a bad choice in these members' opinions, if he's such a horrible choice and, oh, so beyond the pale, how the hell does a guy who insists repeatedly that Kevin McCarthy be elected speaker, how is that guy a better alternative? He's a more conservative alternative. Really? If you, if you just take your logic the way you're putting it forth, that guy has horrible judgment. Horrible. He's wildly, easily manipulated. He's conned. He's stupid. But no, they, they insist. Why do they insist? I don't know. The likely all, you know, most of them, by the way, Chip Roy, I, I singled him out. Chip Roy actually has some principled things that he wants done. And uh, that's what he's holding it up for. And if he got most of them or even some of them, I think Chip Roy would go, all right, then I'm on board with Kevin McCarthy. Some of these other people, they're these backbenchers who just seem to, according to McCarthy and according to other sources close to McCarthy, they want committee chairmanships themselves. They want to be bumped over. There's a hierarchy of things. You've got to wait your turn. They want to be leapfrogged into chairmanships. That gives Having such a small minority or majority gives every individual, they turn them into Joe Manchin, right? In the Senate, when the Senate was 50-50, everybody pretended, well, Joe Manchin, who knows which way Joe Manchin's going to go? Ultimately, Joe Manchin always went with the Democrats, but uh, it gave him enormous power. Now, will it work out the same way it did for Joe Manchin? I don't know. Joe Manchin got, he wanted, I want drilling, and I want uh, reassurance, and I want pipelines, and I want things that are good for West Virginia. And the White House and Chuck Schumer said, we'll give you a vote on all of those things. And he said, all right, fine, then you can have your massive piece of garbage legislation which he was always going to cave on. And then when it came time to vote for what it was that Joe Manchin sold his soul for long after his soul had already been sold and the return by date was passed, Democrats said, nah, we're not going to give you, Joe Manchin, what you wanted. <laughs> and he's left standing there in the wind looking like an idiot because he is an idiot. He gave up all of his leverage and expected Democrats to hold their word. Well, the same thing is true for these Republicans. They gave up their leverage already to get anything done. It's long since gone. And you're sitting there hanging your hat or trying to hang your hat on a guy who doesn't want the job. He doesn't want the job. That's the important thing to remember here. The job is right there. The speakership, you sit there and you go, who wouldn't want to be speaker? It's so prestigious. The people who don't want to be speaker are the people who see most closely what speaker of the house has to do, what the job is. And they either don't want to do the job, which means they wouldn't be particularly good at it, or they don't think they can do the job, in which case you have to wonder why in the hell would anybody try to force them to do it? 
Paul Ryan wasn't speaker for very long because Paul Ryan was horrible at the job because Paul Ryan didn't want the job. Think back to the Ryan speaker era. Republicans controlled the House and the Senate and for two years, the White House. What were the major legislative accomplishments of the reluctant Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, in his tenure? There was the tax bill. It did boom the economy. Okay, you've got that. But it wasn't all it could have been or should have been, in part because Paul Ryan changed it. But that's it. Honestly, that's it. Do we have a border wall because Speaker Ryan rammed it through the House of Representatives? No. In fact, we didn't get votes on border walls, certainly the types of border walls that would have made a difference, because Speaker of the House Paul Ryan slow walked it and watered it down. Blocked it in many ways. Because why? Because he's an open borders kind of guy. Paul Ryan, the only reason Paul Ryan became Speaker... Honestly, the only reason he's viewed as somebody who, wow, nobody understands the budget like Paul Ryan. Well, understanding the budget doesn't mean you're any good at budgeting. Hate to break it to you, but it doesn't mean that it's any good at budgeting. And uh, he was famous because he was the vice presidential nominee in 2012. Those are the two reasons why Paul Ryan became speaker, why the Republicans were desperate. Oh, he also, you know, is a good-looking guy. Jim Jordan is not run for vice president, but he's famous. He's known. He's cable news famous, at least on Fox. If we've learned anything, it's that that is not, that should be a disqualifier, not a qualifier for somebody to take one of these positions. So it's just insane watching these Republicans you ask them, what is your end game? Okay, I get it. If you have a strategy, that's great. But what is the end game? Well, we want to force a guy who doesn't want a job to take a job. What if he won't do it? I believe that if we get to the number of votes, he'll take the job. Oh, great. So how well do you think he's going to really want to apply himself in a job he doesn't want while the job he actually desperately does want is taken away and given to somebody else? How well do you think that's going to work out. Not good at all. Did you think this thing through at all? Sadly, these people didn't. They thought they had leverage, but you've got to have brains to execute that leverage properly. And it seems as though that might be lacking in this case. Maybe I'm too cynical, but uh, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm right. You look at these headlines and you look at uh, these websites and, oh man, it's an embarrassment for the Republicans. Who cares? It's an embarrassment for the Republicans. Republicans are in disarray. Kevin McCarthy tries again. What are they going to do? It's a horrible, horrible thing. As you're, it's been 24 hours without a seated House of Representatives. Are you okay? Have you resorted to cannibalism yet? Or No, not yet? Well, maybe you should. Have you made a run on canned goods yet? It's really amazing to me. And you watch these people uh, in the leftist media talk about how, oh, my God, these Republicans are not taking this very seriously. They're embarrassing this country. They're embarrassing this government. What you won't hear about is this story, this story from the Daily Caller. 
Democrat Representative Robert Garcia will be sworn in as a member of the 118th U.S. Congress on a vintage copy of a D.C. comic book. You don't have to be sworn in on the Bible or Koran or anything. You can be sworn in on whatever you want. Or you don't have to be sworn in on anything, really. But if you want to talk about people who's not taking... These Republicans are not serious people. Obviously, look at this mistake. They can't even elect a speaker. Uh, have you heard about the Democrat going to be sworn in on uh, Superman? No. The items chosen to take their oath of office by newly elected members of Congress include a copy of the Holy Bible, U.S. Constitution, D.C. Superman comic books number one, according to a picture tweeted by congressional reporter Matt Laszlo. Quote, a member of the House of Representatives has taken their oath on a classic Superman comic book. After much speculation as to which member chose the vintage comic, Garcia confirmed in a tweet that he would be taking his oath on the Superman number one and other items important to him. Quote, we will be proudly sworn into Congress on the U.S. Constitution. Underneath the Constitution will be three items that mean a lot to me personally. A photo of my parents, who I lost to COVID, my citizenship certificate, and an original Superman number one from the Library of Congress. From the Library of Congress. You try and sign out that Superman number one from the Library of Congress. See how well that goes over. Garcia, along with other newly elected members, is waiting to be sworn in, blah, 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 after the speaker. Now, it's hilarious. The Democrats will sit there and insist that Republicans are not being serious. They're not being taken seriously. They should not be taken seriously. This is an outrage. What these Republicans are doing, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. And you've got a member of Congress being sworn in on a comic book. I don't know how or why, and the story doesn't cover how or why, a number one Superman comic book means so much to uh, Robert Garcia. But as an adult human being, unless it means that it's worth a ton of money, because it is worth a ton of money, the Library of Congress's copy is a pretty sweet copy. Most of them that exist aren't. Uh, what could it possibly mean? What could it possibly mean to him so much so that he has to make himself look like a damn fool and the country look completely unserious. He wasn't alive in 1939 or 40 or whenever the hell that comic book was. It's not like, oh man, this is my favorite comic book from when I was a kid. No, you're, you're, you look like you're in your 30s. It's not, does the family have multiple copies? Did you have a ton of copies of this comic book? And that, that's what it means. Because if you did, why wouldn't you be sworn in on one of the copies that your family had? Where are the exposés into why this guy wants to be sworn in on a Superman comic book? Where's the condemnation, a lack of seriousness, that a guy wants to be sworn in on a Superman comic book? doesn't exist. But Republicans having a debate that lasts more than three rounds of voting? My God, it's a threat to the Republic or democracy itself is at risk. You wonder why I and other people hate the media. This is why I and other people hate the media. And it's also why that hatred is 100% absolutely deserved. By the way, President Trump has weighed in on this situation. I don't know. Well, this will be another test, I suspect, for President Trump as to whether or not he still has the sway that he once did in the party. 
On Truth Social, not on Truth Social. It's kind of funny. The only way anybody hears about anything on Truth Social is there's some left-wing reporter who follows him on Truth Social and then screen captures what he says over there and sends it out on Twitter. This is why all these people are like, I will, as a matter of principle, I'm quitting Twitter. And then two weeks later, they start tweeting again. And it's like, oh, why are you, why are you tweeting again about this again? Like, well, <laughs> because, because they can. Because, I don't know, this is where the audience is. Anyway, over on Truth Social, Donald Trump said, quote, some really good conversations took place last night, and it's now time for all of our great... It's written like a child, because great is capitalized. All It's in caps lock, the whole world. Great Republican House members to vote for Kevin, close the deal, take the victory, and watch crazy Nancy Pelosi fly back home to a very broken California, the only speaker in U.S. history to lose the House twice. I don't think that's actually true, but... Republicans do not turn a great triumph into a giant embarrassing defeat. It's time to celebrate. You deserve it. Kevin McCarthy will do a great job and maybe even, or will do a good job and maybe even a great job. Just watch. So I'd be curious to see what these uh, 20 holdouts who are insisting that they are the keepers of the conservative flame and are staunch defenders of the former president. I wonder what they will now come out and say we'll see we'll see by the way i'm just looking at social media here and the things i've retweeted that's how i do show prep is throughout the day i'm obviously watching news consuming news randomly it's not 10 hours of prep my god i like to spend time with my family and they like to spend time with me but um dana white you know dana white is he's the guy who uh I don't know if he created, what do you call it? Uh, it's it's not boxing, not foxy boxing. MMA, mixed martial arts. He's the guy who did all of that. And he's a billionaire now. He took the company public and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just, I'm not a fan of mixed martial arts, watching these fights. And this, oh, Every weekend night, it seems like there's... And it's weird because a bunch of conservatives are. My friend David Limbaugh loves, loves the MMA stuff. And he's always tweeting about it. He'll text me about it. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't watch it. I like boxing. Boxing is a science. MMA is a, a street fight, is a bar fight. It's not worth... Well, it's not a lot of... And don't get me... Don't send all your emails to me. Go ahead. But it is, it's not the skill that boxing is. There are rules in boxing. There are some rules in MMA. You can't kick somebody in the groin, I don't think. And you have to stop pummeling them when, you, uh, when they're semi-conscious and covered in their own blood. I just don't like watching people like punch, on, jump on somebody and pound their face. Pound their face. Like, that's not enjoyable for me to watch. Nothing against violence, but that's not enjoyable to watch. Plus the grappling. I have no use for grappling. That's the good thing about boxing is if they, they try and hug each other, they go, all right, break it up. Then we're here to fight, not dance. This isn't, you know, dirty dancing. This isn't the cat skills in the 50s. Let's go. Well, he's uh, Dana White. Has started, the UFC is Dana White. He started some slap fight thing. 
I don't understand what it is, except for that you just kind of, it seems to me to be that you smack the hell out of, you're like across, remember the, what was that movie? Stallone movie, Over the Top, where he was the professional arm wrestler, right? And they're across the table from one another, and they, uh, they, they lock arms, and they go for it, right? That's, that's good. That's, uh, that's arm wrestling, right? Well, slap fighting is kind of like that, as best I can tell, except you just take, you go as long as you can take it. You're across the table from somebody, just like the arm wrestling table, except you have to stand there and let them smack you across the face like they're your pimp. It just take, and then you go the other way, and you they you smack the hell out of them, and you go back and forth until somebody says, "All right, I don't want to be smacked anymore." I think maybe there's judgment. Who knows? Maybe it's because you get knocked down or whatever. I don't. There's all sorts of videos online of these slap fights where they're just dudes standing there with their hands behind their back, having to take a a wide smack from another dude. It's screwed up. But there is an audience for everything, and there are wildly stupid people who go, you know what, I just want to watch them. I want to drink my beer, and I want to watch somebody smack the hell out of each other. I honestly don't know how you win, except that you maybe knock the person out. But if you knock the person out, you're not really smacking them. You can, you can, you know, smack is with the hand, with the palm of the hand, whereas knocking somebody out is with, like, the, the heel of the hand. And you can definitely knock somebody out with the heel of your hand. But Dana White is starting this league on Rumble, the video channel thing. I, I don't know. I never use Rumble. But it's going on to Rumble. They just announced this big deal, seven-figure deal with Rumble. Well, Dana White got arrested for smacking his wife on New Year's Eve in uh, Cabo, Mexico. It's on video. His wife smacked him first. Doesn't look very hard. But then he took a couple swings at her, it looks like. He definitely hit her. And so now he's got a statement. I don't know what this means for Rumble. I don't know if they have any standards over there. But the irony is pretty rich. As uh, <clears throat> Dana White released a statement because they've been married for 30 years. But they've known each other since they were 12 years old. That's a UFC president issued an apology. Quote, You've heard me say over the years there's never an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now here I am on TMZ take, taking, uh, talking about my wife. My wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. We've obviously been through some S together. We've got three kids. This is one of those situations that's horrible. I'm embarrassed. But it's also one of those situations that right now we're more concerned about our kids. We have three kids and obviously, since the video popped up, we've shown the kids the video, and they're more fo- we're more focused on our family right now. I'm literally making no excuses for this at all. It's never happened before. It's the first time it's ever happened. People are going to say what they're going to say, and it is what it is. Whatever people say, I deserve it. Or whatever people say is deserved, I deserve it. End quote. Um, it's a horrible statement. <laughs> He doesn't actually say, oh, my God, I was wildly wrong. He just says, in the past, I've said there's no excuse to to hitting a woman. And yet here's a video of me hitting a woman. His wife released a statement, too, which means that they have hired a PR team. 
Quote, Dana and I have been married for almost 30 years. To say this is out of character for him is an understatement. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Unfortunately, we were both drinking too much on New Year's Eve and things got out of control on both sides. We've talked this through as a family and apologized to each other. I just hope people will respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. (laughs) Just like, what the hell? He smacked you around, all right? It's, there's no excuse for him smacking you around. He smacked you around. Like we've been through, we're, she's both sidesing this. We're both sidesing this. I just, I don't understand people, and I don't understand how this deal can go forward. And I, in the time I'm watching this, I'm watching on YouTube the Slap Fight Championships, the best knockouts from the past two years. It's just a messed up, messed up thing. We as a society are out of problem. So when you sit there and you hear somebody go, we need a Speaker of the House. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive without a Speaker of the House? Recognize that we're just this side of gladiators. We're not even to the gladiator, but we're the stupid gladiators. Where you've got grown men, really big grown men, smacking each other as a sport. If anything, it's a testament to the greatness of the United States and the free market system and capitalism that people who, I don't know, if you're willing to stand across the table and be smacked and smack somebody else, I'm not sure what you, you're not putting your, uh, putting your PhD studies at Brown on hold because you want to pursue your dream of being the slap fight champion. Let's just put it that way. We're not dealing with, my God. How will we ever complete cold fusion with slap fighting still a thing? Everybody who's a anybody in the field of fusion is off slap fighting. No, no, no. My God. This goes right up there with the gambling on your phone and casinos everywhere where you're sitting there going, who is benefiting from this? Who is benefiting from this? And then you probably find out there's some fantasy slap fight league. <laughs> you just go, the end of civilization cannot come soon enough. It just can't. I'm just seeing that in my, it's, nothing surprises me. Nothing shocking. The only thing that's shocking to me is a lot of people, somebody was like saying, I can't believe that Donald Trump is, is he's seeming like a Republican politician. He's a, polit- he's a Republican politician. I'm sorry. He is. The second you run for anything, you're a politician. Especially if you're president. You get to be president and go, no, I'm not a politician. Yeah, that's the job description. But this thing from the uh, New York Post. Former President Donald Trump wanted to trademark the phrase rigged election and save America after he lost his bid for re-election in 2020. His son-in-law and former top advisor Jared Kushner told the House Select Committee investigating last year's Capitol riot. I... Um, I don't know. I don't know if this matters to anybody. Does it matter to anybody? Do you think it matters to anybody? It's not often I sit there and go, I can't believe what I'm hearing. But I can believe, I guess I can believe what I'm hearing. According to a transcript of Kushner's March 31st interview released on Friday, White House Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino sent Kushner an email on November 9th, 2020, stating that POTUS, quote, POTUS wants to trademark own rights to the terms Save America PAC and rigged election. End quote. That's the, uh, that's just after the election. Just before 
it was officially announced and decided that he'd lost. And he's trying to find ways to monetize this. I don't know. Does that bother anybody? I don't know that it'll bother anybody, to be honest with you. It bothers me. Not really. She doesn't really surprise me all that much, but it does bother me. Just because it just seems, I don't know, opportunistic to say the least, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Is there any point at which the support for Donald Trump, the supporters, the hardcore supporters for Donald Trump, is there anything that will say, look, I'll vote for the guy. I'll vote for the guy. But I'm not a ride or die. I'm not a, I will follow any, I will not be blindly loyal to any politician ever under any circumstances. That's just foolish. But is there any point at which the ardent supporters will go, even go, I'm still going to support him, but come on, man, what are you doing? You have to sit there and go, what is the priority here? He's president of the United States. The election's still in flux. And he's looking to make a buck off this. He's looking to copyright certain things, to merchandise certain things. Well, what else would you do with, with these titles? What else would you do with these things? I don't, I don't know. So you, uh, yeah, no, I don't get it. Anyway, <clears throat> just one of those damn things where you sit there and you just go, "This can't be real. This can't be real." And it's the New York Post. It's the New York Post. You sit there and you go, well, the New York Post, left-wing media. New York Post is not left-wing media. New York Post is not left-wing media. Anyway, speaking of left-wing media, let's, let's just get away from this garbage for a little while it's because it doesn't seem to... It's Sooner or later, something will change. Something will happen. It isn't happening now, and there's no point in beating on a, a dead horse. I just want to demonstrate to you how awful the leftist media is, how terrible they are, and how clickbaity they are. I talk about the clickbait, talked about clickbait earlier, talking about the Idaho students. It's all just clickbait. Well, <clears throat> this is clickbait. Headline from the UK Daily Mail. Kraken COVID variant XBB 1.5 already makes up half. Half is in caps of cases in worst hit places. So has it reached your area? That's the headlines. All, they're, they're getting really ridiculous with their headlines. So I, I fell for it. I admit it, I fell for it. The interest of finding out what the hell is going on. I'm always interested to know what's going on and whether or not there is going to be, you know, because they keep on warning us of new variants. You've got it. You should be aware of what's going on in the world and health. Anyway, right now I have a, a queen is throwing up. Don't know why. She woke up this morning throwing up, and she's thrown up a couple of times since then. I'm going to have to go get some anti-nausea medicine after this. She has no temperature. She has nothing else seemingly wrong with her. So we'll see what it is. Hopefully it's just she ate something, and it's quick and, and done. But you got to keep on track of these things. You know, what is this, this a symptom of? What is going on? What is this a symptom of? The wife has been sick. And she's had a cough. Quinn doesn't really have a cough except at night, blah, blah, blah. You got to keep up on these things. So when there's a new variant, I want to know, is it worse or is it less worse or whatever? What is it? So you read this story and it goes and starts off normal. A new Omicron. Now you can almost picture ominous music 
with this stuff. And you realize that this is this is a sales pitch. This is to get you to click on things, and this is to get you to stay on those websites so that they can service your page ads and ads and ads. And also sell you other things to go like, oh, look at this story. There's Khloe Kardashian in a bikini. There's somebody else called Maya Jamma in a bikini. I don't know who that is. Zara McDermott also in a bikini. I don't know who that person is either. There's there's somebody named Mylene Class also in a bikini. There's a whole bunch of chicks in bikinis on this website. That's a news site trying to tell you about this new COVID variant. The new Omicron subvariant that is starting to sweep the UK is behind up to half of all COVID cases in the worst hit regions surveillance data data suggests. Figures from the Sanger Institute, one of the UK's largest COVID surveillance centers, shows 50% of cases in Wirral last week were caused by XBB 1.5, nicknamed the Kraken. Now, with a nickname like the Kraken, you would think, my God, this has got to be pretty bad, right? The strain has caused a surge in cases in the U.S. Now, just pay attention to the word choices here. A surge in cases. We're all talking about cases. Do we care about cases, honestly? Cases don't matter. Cases are irrelevant, to be perfectly honest with you. It is about hospitalizations and deaths, right? The severity of those cases, the number of cases, considering that most people have it and don't know they have it or don't have any symptoms, the number of cases are irrelevant, but they don't, they don't go there. You start to wonder why. It comes as UK ministers rush to bring in testing rules ahead of an, ins- an expected influx of travelers from China, which is being crippled by its biggest surge since the pandemic began with hospitals and crematoriums filling up. Now, that that would be useful information, but it's communist China. You can't really trust or believe anything they say. But again, you sit there and you go, why the hell are you letting these people in? You get down to Sanger Institute data based on hundreds of samples. It's statistical sampling. It's like going into a neighborhood. There are 100 square blocks in a neighborhood, and you count two of them, and you just extrapolate from there and project on the other 98 blocks what you found to be true in those two blocks and say, well, you know, it's a statistical sampling. Not saying there isn't merit to it, just giving it perspective. Show that 4.3% of the cases in the week uh, to December 17th were caused by XBB 1.5, It is the first time the strain has been listed in the Institute's virus dashboard, which is updated weekly. And now I'm sitting here going, okay, but is it more contagious or less contagious? Is it more deadly or less deadly? That's all I think anybody cares about. It's all I care about. So you go down and you see, again, data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Friday showed that the strain is behind 41% of cases. That figure is up from 22% one week earlier and 4% one month earlier. Blah, 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 blah. U.S. hospitalization show admissions jumped 40% in the month of December. Okay, 40% doesn't tell you anything. When I tell you that it's the unit of measure, if you control the unit of measure, you control everything, this is what I mean. It's up 40%. Well, what does that mean? If there were 100 cases in the country and now there are 140, that is up 100, that is up 40%. 
raw numbers matter. And when raw numbers won't scare the hell out of you, they use percentages to scare the hell out of you. It does matter. The raw numbers actually matter. They matter dramatically. Well, hospital admissions are up 25%. Well, are they, are they full or are they just up 25%? Like, what's going on? And at this point, should we not have expanded hospital capacity, maximized space to be able to accommodate an influx or increase in admissions? At this point, should we not have handled that? I think so. But you get down and it says, oh, it's spotted all over the place, spotted all over the place. Everybody's going to die. Be scared, be scared, be scared. Then you get to paragraph 21. Paragraph 21. They finally get around to talking about how, well, it's not really that bad. huh? Paragraph 21 reads, quote, However, CDC officials insist that there is no suggestion the virus is more severe, although they say it's set to become the dominant in some set to become dominant in some regions within weeks and will become more prevalent across the country. Huh? Wait, what? So is it more deadly or is it not? Is it more deadly or is it not? Is it more contagious or is it not? Is it anything we have to worry about? Because it seems to me, and now knock on wood, but it seems to me that since the beginning of this, the mortality rate, which was already low, has decreased significantly with each mutation, which goes to my theory that the virus itself was manipulated with money from President Fauci to be able to infect human beings. But the virus itself, nature doesn't like to be manipulated. It doesn't like to be mutated by anything other than natural mutations, and therefore those mutations tend to die off. The added bits begin to die off. It wasn't designed, it wasn't created, it didn't exist to infect human beings, and it's seemingly reverting back to it. Not that it's conscious and going, I need to get back to where I was. But if you add something unnatural to another anything, another entity, another living entity, eventually it will devolve back to what it was supposed to be, hopefully. Now, it could go other ways. It could go, this is why gain of function is such a stupid idea. It could go the other direction and go, all right, I like this new power. I want more of it. I'm going to kill everything. That's why you don't mess with it. Well, but in 40,000 years, this virus may mutate naturally. And Yeah, okay, I'll take the chance that in 40,000 years, medicine will have advanced to the point that they can handle it then. Let's not try and create a 40,000 year from now problem with modern medicine, okay? Because we're, we're not that far removed from a good bleeding being prescribed by doctors. Let's not pretend that we have cured everything that's wrong in the world. We haven't. We haven't come close to that. Our knowledge of the human body is infinitesimal relative to what it will be eventually. We aren't there yet, but we're on the road. So the problem is everybody just thinks that we can do all sorts of things and we should be able to do all sorts of things. That's beside the point. That's something for another day. But if one day we will crack the genetic code to the point that we can treat people based on their DNA and do so much more effectively because what works for somebody doesn't work for somebody else. But otherwise, there'd be one treatment for everything. If that's all it took, if all bodies were the same, we're beginning to recognize that. We're beginning to do the research on that. And then that will lead to real breakthroughs. 
There will be breakthroughs that are 90% breakthroughs. Work for 90% of the people. And we'll be able to fine-tune that too. But uh, the future of medicine is bright. We don't live in the future of medicine. We live now. We live in a world where the media wants to scare the hell out of you. And they bury down in paragraph 21. This isn't really anything to worry about. Nothing has changed dramatically. In fact, this might be less. You never know. That's why journalism is terrible. That's the problem with journalism. That's the problem with clickbait journalism. Just like that thing in Time magazine I told you about yesterday where race uh, edu- uh, uh, exercise has its basis in white supremacy. That's not the point of this woman's book. Time magazine decided to make that their headline and a piece about the book and uh, all hell broke loose because people read that headline and thought, what the hell is this is stupid because the headline is stupid. But they clicked on it. They clicked on the hell out of it. I don't know if that woman sold any books, but they sure clicked on that headline. They might have clicked on the Amazon link. We shall see. Doesn't make it any less pathetic. Now we come to this story in the UK Daily Mail. You want to talk about going to hell in a handbasket and my hell in a handbasket speech. This is uh, about the Church of England. This is uh, a problem when you try to supplant God with government. This always happens. Well, the Church of England was formed because blah, blah. Yeah, all right. Uh, Take it up with the people way back then and beheading their wives and what have you. But we're dealing with the now. The Church of England's first non-binary vicar said it was, quote, difficult when they came out to their wife and three children after having a moment of revelation while reading the story of Adam and Eve. Bingo, bingo. I don't know if bingo is a birth name or not, or if it's just uh, what you have to pretend this person was named because you have to pretend that this dude is a woman. Bingo Allison, 36, who defines as genderqueer and uses the pronouns they, them, experienced an epiphany seven years ago while reading Genesis 1-3 in the Old Testament. You really have to... You really have to put the Old Testament there? Is there a Genesis in the New Testament too? I don't think so. The vicar who works in Liverpool said they came to terms with their gender identity while reading the story and realized, quote, there's space in God's creation for change and transformation. Just because you're created one way doesn't mean that you can't live another. (laughs) Yeah, God and quote. I, I I do love, I do love the religious quote unquote religious people, religious authorities, who are insistent that God not only is capable of making mistakes but makes them constantly, constantly screwing up. God is the absent-minded professor, uh, somehow stumbling across flubber in the laboratory, going, "Oops, I don't know." Uh, we're out of these kind of parts. Let's just let's just hammer in some of those parts. Whatever, we'll let them figure it out. I don't know the Church of England, aside from the fact that they uh, don't mind you beheading your wives and divorce and what have you. But um, I don't think that their their basic tenant is God is kind of stupid and doesn't really know what the hell he's doing. I don't I don't know of any of them religions that have that belief 
Bingo also said their wife, and I love the way these people, you can read these stories and you're going, what in the hell does this mean? Now, if you if you study a foreign language like Germany, you have der, die, and da, or der, das, and I don't know, there's, there's different thes. And it denotes gender, but it also denotes like the, the chair is under the table, which is under the desk. And you can say that, and we understand what those words are. But in, if you say it differently, it's just the chair, the table, the desk. It's the way you say the in each of those circumstances in German that denotes which is on what. And if you just use them interchangeably, you just play with the language, you end up sounding like an idiot who's just talking about chair, desk, table, chair, desk, table. English isn't that dissimilar. Pronouns exist for a reason, so that people can talk about somebody in a way that is understandable. You're talking about this person, not that person. You know, there's a story of a man and a woman, and he does this and she does that. Now, if it is a story of a man and a woman, and they does this and they does that, you're like, what the hell? Who does which? What are you talking about? It confuses everything. Since this isn't about these people's insecurities or even mental deficiencies, and make no mistake, they have mental deficiencies. It is about control because you use pronouns when talking about someone. They want to be able to control you when you're talking about them when you're not around. That's it. You don't look at somebody and say, hey, uh, Tony, how is he doing today? No. How are you doing today? What's going on? You're talking to that person. But when you're talking to Bill about Tony and say, how's Tony doing today? How's he doing today? They want to control that conversation how is how are they doing today that's what they want to control because they ultimately want to control you and they're going to nibble away at the edges in any way shape or form they can to do just that so when you read this story it sounds nonsensical because the uk daily mail goes well this person uses they them pronouns we shall use they them pronouns well you sound like an idiot who spilled coffee on your keyboard bingo also says their wife See, Bingo also says his wife found things difficult when he first came out because, quote, obviously you marry what you think is a straight guy and obviously things are more complicated than that. And, of course, this weirdo mutant has implants and has all sorts of makeup. And you look at it and you go, that is, uh, maybe you could go, that could be a woman, but it's unfortunate. But mostly you think that's a dude and that's unfortunate. Speaking to BBC Radio Merseyside, Bingo described coming out as a gradual process for me and my family. They said, quote, I'm married and I've got three children and it was really important to come out to them. Give some time letting them understand about me before I emerged on the world. My children are young and when you're little, really, you accept most things. And they've been lovely about it. We taught them about trans people before I came out, so it wasn't completely alien to them. <laughs> but but bingo continued. It was difficult for my wife to begin with. Obviously, you marry what you think is a straight guy, and suddenly things are more complicated than that. But I'd like to believe you marry the person. Someone becomes as much as you marry... What? what? You marry the person, someone becomes as much as you marry the person they are. No, you don't. Somebody has, you know, if Jeffrey Dahmer had been married when he was, you know, pre-cannibalism, and you go, you know what? 
I got a hankering for thigh meat, and you know what? You chose uh, better or worse, richer or poor, hungry or, you know, having a sandwich. You're going to deal with this. I think there are certain circumstances when that person is clinically insane and insisting that they are a woman that you can go, you know what? Uh, I'm out of here. Could just be me, but I don't think it is. So this is, yeah, this is a church official over in the Church of England. Isn't that lovely? You wonder why. And you say when the left wants to replace God with government, they did it in England, and this is the end result. Before we run out of time, and before I get to this kicker story, I'll tell you the tale of uh, Secretary Mayor Pete and his husband, Chaston Buttigieg. They're living the dream, everybody else's dream, on everybody else's dime, man. We are suckers, let me tell you what. It is an amazing bit of information. If you remember, just cast your mind back to Donald Trump's first Secretary of Health and Human Services, right? Congressman Tom Price, he was a medical doctor. He went over to HHS and he uh, got embroiled in a scandal. A scandal because he used private government planes to travel. Remember that? He's forced to resign because of it. The media went absolutely bonkers over it. How dare he? He's costing taxpayers a fortune. CNN at the time. Tom Price, the embattled Health and Human Services Secretary, resigned Friday in the midst of a scandal over his use of private planes, a storm that enraged President Donald Trump and undercut his promise to bring accountability to Washington, D.C., Price's uh, departure <clears throat> came as he was being investigated by the department's inspector general for using private jets for multiple government business trips, even to fly distances as short as Washington to Philadelphia. The trips uh, ran into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. What a horrible, horrible thing. He had to resign. He resigned. He did resign. Now he smash cut to Secretary Mayor Pete and his trusty bike that they drive to near the White House and then uh, throw him out on the curb and so he can pretend that he's been riding his bike all day. Americans for Public Trust. Secretary Mayor Pete took military aircraft to attend a sporting event in the Netherlands with his husband, while family's holiday travel plans were upended by his department's failures, Buttigieg used their tax dollars to avoid the problem he created. Yes, that's right. He bypassed. If you flew over the Christmas holiday, I'm sure it was a nightmare. I kept seeing story after story after story. That's why we drove to Michigan. Um, story after story after story about how horrible the uh, airports were. Glad we didn't have to do that. Well, the guy in charge of them, just like the guy, look, he, they adopted two kids. I almost said they bought two babies, but they adopted two children. Right at a time when the supply chain was falling apart. Do you think that the Buttigieg's had any problems finding diapers? Do you think they're still having any problems finding baby formula? Hell no, they're not finding any problems with that. Hell, for the first two months that he got the kids, Pete was off the job on paternity leave, helping Chaston do whatever it is they do in their homes. Well, let's see here. Fox News. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg traveled to Europe on a military aircraft to attend the 
fifth Invictus Games with his husband, Chaston Buttigieg, last spring, according to an internal calendar review by Fox News Digital. Now, why in the hell did, if it was last spring, why are we just finding out about it now? Is there no one in journalism doing any journalism? On April 15th, Buttigieg traveled from Joint Base Andrews to Rotterdam, Netherlands, via Miller flight before returning two days later on a military aircraft, the calendar obtained by the Americans for Public Trust and shared with Fox News Digital Show. According to photos from the event, media reports the transportation secretary traveled to the Netherlands with his husband. President Biden announced that Buttigieg would lead a potential delegation, including lawmakers and fellow administration officials, to the Invictus Games prior to the event in April. The event was founded by Prince Harry in 2014 as a multi-sport competition for wounded, injured, and or sick soldiers and military veterans. Blah, blah, blah. There's a nice picture of Secretary Mayor Pete and Chast. Now, if this is an official government trip and there's uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, let's see, I don't know who else these other people are in the background, and then there's Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And then there's Secretary Mayor Pete. Now, that would make sense. He's there on official duty. Didn't need to fly the private military jet, but he's there on official duty, and he brought a United States senator with him. Okay, if it's official duty, then why is... Chaston there. Who paid for Chaston? What happened with Chaston? Do we know? Is anybody bothering to ask the questions about who paid Chaston's freight? We don't know. They don't bother. They don't care. In fact, Secretary Mayor Pete has taken 18 private jet flights. 18 of them. Tom Price resigned, was forced to resign for much less. Of course, Tom Price taking those flights was news, whereas Traston Buttigieg and Pete Buttigieg taking those flights is just a nice weekend in the country. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Democrats do not have standards. Democrats are not held accountable, the entire institution in this country that exists expressly for holding the political class accountable, or so they say, the speak truth to power crowd, aren't at all interested in this story. They aren't at all doing it. I mean, hell, it wasn't Fox News that discovered it. It was Americans for Public Trust. They filed the Freedom of Information Act to get these records, and then they took it to Fox. They took it to Fox not because Fox is going to get the widest distribution. I bet you they took it to Fox because nobody else wanted it. Nobody else cared. I bet you not a single other news outlet would have given a damn. If you could get ABC or NBC News, the nightly newscasts to run with this, or the New York Times or the Washington Post to report on this, that would reach a much broader audience than it does with Fox. But I promise you, they're not interested. If they were interested, they would have discovered this on their own. They have people on staff whose theoretical job it is to cover the transportation department, who it might occur to, hey, maybe we should look into this thing. But they don't. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Go back to the Obama administration. What were the major revelations and where did they come from in the Obama administration? They came from the IRS targeting of conservatives, uh, you, you name it, fast and furious. They came from one of two groups, Judicial Watch 
and Citizens United filing Freedom of Information Act requests and then getting the documents, fighting the court battle, demanding accountability. There wasn't a single conservative outlet out there doing what those two nonprofits did. The biggest name in conservative news, Fox didn't do it. They reported it. They reported it like they discovered it, but they didn't. Just like if you go on a Fox News story, they don't link to anybody else. You notice that. They just don't link to anybody else. They link to other Fox News stories. A great number of them are just aggregated, lifted, borrowed from other places. Sometimes they give credit, sometimes they don't. They never give a link. Someday we're going to have to have a reckoning with how Fox News is really destroying the conservative movement rather than saving it. It'll be interesting. Anyway, that'll be for another day because we're out of time. But I want to get to this story. I saved this from over Christmas. Some things are just a pain in the butt. You know what I mean? This one. New York Post. A case left doctors shell-shocked. A French hospital was partially evacuated Saturday after a senior citizen arrived with a World War I artillery shell lodged in his rectum. The 88-year-old patient visited Hospital Saint-Musée in Toulon to have the antique explosive removed, but instead sparked a bomb scare. Quote, an emergency occurred, blah, blah, blah. Just, um, and there's a picture of it. It's a big, 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 it's, yeah. I don't know what they're doing with their elderly over in France or what the elderly, it seems to me that they have far too much, far too much time on their hands. And, uh, yeah, there are lots of jokes I could make. I won't. Make them yourself. Anyway, have a great day. Keep munitions out of your ear end, ladies and gentlemen. And be back here tomorrow to do it all over again. <laughs>